Give us any chance, we'll take it. Read us any rule, we'll break it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. Welcome to Nash and Ed, a podcast about eight seasons in a row. I'm Mr. Fernandes and... I am Christopher J. Woodner. And we're going to be doing a review of Look Before You Leap, episode six of Laverne Shirley's second season. Directed by James Burroughs, sitcom legend, and written by Deborah Leshen and David W. Duclon. And you have some trivia. Yes, um, this... Yeah, this was kind of interesting to find out. So obviously, uh, director James Burroughs had directed Dog Day, Blind Dates, and From Suds to Stardom last season, making him easily one of the kings of the early seasons with this third episode, as we're going to we're gonna get into. But uh, and we'll see more from him in the future as well. He was definitely one of the, the better directors, or at least, very least, he was a prolific director that worked on the show. Um, as for the writing team that wrote this, uh, David Duclan and Deborah Leshen, um, these two actually ended up getting married a few years later huh. uh, in 1980. Uh, however, the they did divorce. It's, it sounds like in 2003, but you know, hey, 23 years of marriage is not bad, especially given that yeah. you know it sounds like David's career kind of went on for quite a while. Um, yeah, Deborah was an executive script consultant on Rhoda. Uh, had also huh. worked out on Fake Out at the Stakeout. And would also, looks like, go on to write more episodes up to around season three or four. And uh, she also became a producer on Making It and It's a Living during the 80s. Um, So David was another, uh, ended up becoming another alumnus of Family Matters. Uh, He also worked on Punky Brewster and later The Jeffersons. Uh, The the other show that he also worked on during the 80s, 90s era was a show called Double Trouble. Now... The funny thing about Double Trouble for me is when I found it, because I, I was vaguely familiar with it. It was one of those, like, I probably saw a TV spot for it during its time when it aired. The advertisement that they use on the IMDb page makes them makes it look like a, what if you took Brian De Palma's sisters and turned it into a sitcom? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's just true. That's uh, just true. But uh, it's yeah, it's a good it's good stuff. So we have some really strong uh, writing. It was really cool to see this, this pair writing and... Um, I guess we'll get into the episode itself, you know, and uh, I guess what it's about, because yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm kind of excited. To, I'm really excited to talk about this. I know you've been excited about it, too. Yeah. This is my favorite episode. This is my favorite episode, kids. It's been a month since Laverne got sloshed at Tad Schatz's birthday party, having won a chug-a-lug contest and had a wild dream about marrying a gate crusher while apparently lying passed out in the vat. But she woke up wearing a pair of men's boxer shorts under her skirt, and now she's feeling nauseous every morning. She and Shirley are struggling to get her an appointment with a doctor to find out if Laverne's fantasy was in fact reality. After Carmine blurts out the truth in front of Lenny, Squiggy, and Edna, Shirley cages some wise counsel with Edna. Laverne tries to figure out how to tell her father, and Lenny, shocking and moving both of the girls, decides to help Laverne with her plight by proposing marriage after winning a coin toss for the honor against Squiggy. Is Laverne pregnant? So what did you think of this episode? That was unexpectedly powerful. Yeah. yeah, that was. Uh, it's interesting that it it starts off relatively innocuously. Um, yeah, I did think it was it was a nice choice to begin with that exterior in the middle of winter, which makes things yeah. like most of the show we've seen is being very sweet, very cheerful, very spring summer, yeah. and to suddenly jump into not just like a winter but like a snowy winter, almost like a blizzard going on outside. Yeah, was uh, that was a good way of saying something's afoot. Yeah. And just, you know, the, and, you know, and like, again, you see, it's starting off in awkward. She's got a tummy ache. Oh, that's sad. And then the, all the Alka-Seltzer she drops in the glass. Yeah. Um, and then the whole bit, the boys and the dumbwaiter 
uh and and the whole like yeah. it's like it's eh bring me eh and he's trying to like wave his hands you know into it and his hand goes straight into the oatmeal when he comes out and edna <laughs> that you know, was my breakfast yeah it's like i'll put it back <laughs> yeah, it does <laughs> And the yeah, oh. and the I love that the fact they had to be told multiple times there's no coal in the dumbwaiter yeah. is, is fantastic. Um, and then once the seriousness of it starts to hit, you know, it gets a little like, whoa, kind of surprising, you know, especially, yeah. you know, for for this time to be talking about, you know, a out of wedlock pregnancy um, possibility yeah. in uh, in, a, again, a very especially in a Gary Marshall show in the mid 70s is, you know, kind of surprising, I think, uh, you know, at, a, at first blush. Yeah. I remember um, you did a tweet along to this episode uh, yes. quite a while ago, actually, and I, I joined in and watched it on Logo uh-huh. and I didn't see the whole episode at that point. So it was only when we uh-huh. watched it for this podcast that we got to the whole thing. Yeah. But I just remember being taken very much by surprise at the depth that it actually was able to hit. And it feels yeah. very natural and realistic. And the mm-hmm. the two kind of key scenes, the one with Lenny and the scene with her father with with Pop, uh-huh. man, that was that was impressive. That was yeah. really, really strong. Um yeah. this is great. Yeah. So I I know you're probably champing at the bit wanting to <laughs> get in there. So please, please. Uh. My well, this is my favorite episode of the series. This is my absolute favorite. There is not a single misstep in the entire episode. There is not a single false note. There is not a single misgesture. There is not a single incorrect move in the entire, the entire length of the episode. Everything is perfect from the way Shirley and Edna try to talk out how the heck to deal with the possibility of Laverne's pregnancy uh, from the flashback, which injects right just enough humor, where Laverne's mm-hmm. talking about what happened the morning after with Shirley. What do most people do on their honeymoons? <laughs> the boys and the dumb waiter, and then the way it switches from the two of them kind of like enjoying the salaciousness of it to it kind of hitting them. And then realizing, wow, that's terrible. And then they just come in and try to uh, make everything better, try to basically fix everything. And uh, mm-hmm. then everything with Frank and Laverne is perfect, absolutely perfect, perfectly staged, right tone. Uh, even the last scene where everybody's in the pizza bowl just minding their own business. Mm-hmm. And then the girls come in and there becomes a big celebration, a big embarrassing celebration, but a big, big embarrassing celebration that is well earned. Uh, it is the best thing the show produced. In my opinion, uh, you'll see episodes that are more iconic coming up. Uh, there's an episode dramatically that's perfect parallel, almost in the same level, perhaps. There's an argument as to which the best dramatic episode of the show is. It's either this one or it's a visit to the cemetery for a lot of people. Mm. Uh, I like this one tops the list for me, but that one's also excellent and doesn't miss a single move. But for me, just, you know, everything is perfect with this episode. There is, it, it grows every single character and that is hard to do. 
And that is hard to do in a sitcom. And that is hard to do in a sitcom that can be broad sometimes. But this episode grows the characters up and it's just the right tone of naturalistic drama that you would not expect from the sitcom. You would not expect from a sitcom of this era. And you wouldn't expect to see uh, from the Marshall stable in a lot of ways. Because sometimes the drama can get very broad and very pathetic. Which I think happens later in season five of a certain episode, but we'll get there with that one. This one's perfect. So. <sighs> hmm. Yes. So, okay, let's yeah. break everything down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I I thank you so much for for having. I think this is the point that I really feel like, you know, that this was where for me, um, watching this, you know, cause I think we were about halfway through season one, maybe a little further than that. When I watched yeah. the, the majority of this episode, at the very least the second half of it. Yeah. And I, this is kind of where it sort of clicked of like, Oh yeah, I'm actually really getting something out of this. I'm re- I'm not just getting comedy that I can understand timing. It's like, there's some really good character stuff that is present that, you kind of have to, you know, dig a little bit here and there, but that ultimately it, it feels very, this was real writing in my opinion. Yeah. This, yeah. this is, yeah, as you're saying, like all the character development stuff, the, the fact that even the idea that Lenny and Squiggy had a competition over yeah. who was going to marry, you know, was going to propose yeah. and that Lenny, that winner yeah. gets the opportunity. Yeah. Like that even says yeah. something even about Squiggy himself, that Squiggy even thinking yeah. in the situation, like we got to do something. We got to, we have to, you know, because like, to, because yeah. what's interesting about Lenny and Squiggy is the girls, you know, in the first season are very much like they're not our friends. They're a nuisance, but the yeah. boys always saw them as their friends. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. this, I think illustrates that. Yeah. Um, I, I love, for instance, as you were saying, like in terms of adding depth, the um, the performances yeah. where in perfect notes, I love when Cindy is delivering the lines as Shirley to Edna of yeah. how did this, how could this have happened? That exchange. And even though it's a little funny, it's, it's, you know, and, and Edna's innocently asking yeah. that. Sydney's explanation at the start of what happened is so devastatingly real. Yeah. And I say that because it's, it's as in like there's she's not putting anything on. She's not raising her voice. She's intimately having this discussion realistically as an adult. Yeah. And what I, I, I um, I'm actually not even going off of my notes too much here, but I remember yeah. I think I noted this, that this is an interesting point when like most of the show is reminding has spends much time reminding us that they're still kids. You know, they're yeah. still young. They're still, you know, innocent, quote unquote. This feels like a moment where adulthood just slapped them in the face. Yeah. And said, yeah. you know, you're not you're not kids anymore. You have response. Not only do you have responsibilities, but you also things are going to happen to you that are going to be beyond your control and are going to be at times terrifying and also life changing. Yeah. Because as much as this is a scary thing, I don't mean to say that, you know, the pregnancy would have been uh, if if it had gone through would have ended up being something awful. It may not have yeah. been. I mean, it would have been interesting yeah. to have explored that this ends up becoming, you know, this bundle of joy in Laverne's life that changes her life for the better, you know, yeah. who knows? Yeah. But, but it's, uh, but it's able to do all of that. It's able to have those implications without making anything too clear. So there's a lot to chew on. I love yeah. that. That's all there. There's so much, yeah. so much a life 
in this in this episode. I, I see why this yeah. is your favorite. I think it probably yeah. is my favorite of, of the series so far as well. Yeah. 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 Everything works so well that you could honestly not have taken anything out mm-hmm. and had the same episode. And if you added anything in, it would have changed it for the worse. So, like, what I always loved about this episode is how it completely changes um, portrayals of certain characters within it. Um, like, Laverne becomes uh, more vulnerable in a way that she's never been, and she'll continue to have those little notes of vulnerability. Lenny becomes a completely different character. This is the first time he shows anything close to uh, the kind of human, very sweet, very soft, very shy, um, very um, uh, uh, cowardly in a way, cowardly confidence, which is who he becomes throughout the season, season three, season four, uh, season six, this is who he ends up becoming in time. But you never saw any of these notes before uh, in that portrayal because it was, he used to be the guy who wanted to shove a pizza oven in the street. Right. Because he was very drunk and angry. Mm-hmm. But here you see that the way Michael portrays it is so incredible. You can see the anxiety in him. Mm-hmm. You can see the anxiety just radiating from this character and how young he looks and how like anxious uh and de- oh, desperate in a way desperate in a way to kind of get her, get the yes out of her. Mm-hmm. and you compare that to the way Laverne looks at him with this kind of like almost playful fondness mm-hmm. and this tenderness which she has never ever 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 looked at him that way before before it's, it was squiggy's your only friend Mm-hmm. And that's the way she used to see him, and now, now she, now he is her friend. Mm-hmm. And like, in the end, the way those changes are made through both performance and writing it will go on and continue to shift the series, continue to change the series. So it's very interesting in the end how it, how this episode has an effect on the future. It makes me think of. Um... You know, thinking in terms of the kind of tough gal with a dopey, silly boyfriend type archetype. I mean, not to say that they are obviously together, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? That type of ship. Um, well, it reminds me of yeah. Futurama and how, you know, they, yeah. uh, I believe in the commentaries, they do discuss that Fry and Leela being a thing was pretty much figured out pretty early on in their initial writing phase. And it yeah. just took a long, long time for them to get there. And that's why they dropped yeah. those hints along the way. And coming back to Laverne and Shirley, I'm I'd be very intrigued if um, if they had that sort of methodology of planning things out, like these big character movements and understanding the moving the history forward. Because at the time this was made, that type of serialized episode to episode development was really considered the realm of soap operas. Yeah. And a few dramatic shows, obviously. And yeah. you know, certain characters would come in and out and return, obviously, on dramatic series but i'd be very intrigued to see like what could have happened if like this could have been really the start of something because it's it is such a well-handled piece of drama and development i mean you know we we do have to end up coming around to this and and i think phil this is the right time is you know there's that line that is the controversial line of the of the moment of the (laughs) proposal is you know practically never hit you or nothing and i remember (laughs) you and i you and i had to talk about this yeah 
I mean, I, I almost feel like you should be the one to answer this question is, does he have it in him to even do it? No. <laughs> no, he he could strangle Squiggy if he had to. I don't believe he could ever hit that hit Laverne specifically. Because right. uh, we'll get there in season three, but because of what he's been through, uh, the ultimate badge of I love you is... I will never hit you. That's the ultimate bad. That, that is the perfect thing. And the way he kind of addresses that, and she, she, the way he, they address this in the future, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get mm. to it. To him, um, he knows everything uh, that happened. Uh, it, it wasn't his fault, but in the end, it was. he feels like it was his fault. So mm. the answer, obviously, is I won't do what happened to me right to this woman yeah so that's why that that's why that ends up in there besides the comedy beats to try to relieve Mm -hmm. the heavy kind of drama and the audience by the way ate this proposal up the audience was here for this yeah oh yeah you you can you can hear them at the end i mean it's uh, when they they end the scene my god they're they're going pretty nuts um I mean, and especially because, I mean, there's even that little laughable little bit. It's so sweet, but it's this, it, I love the balance. Speaking of the audience reaction and speaking of like their, their live physicality in the scene, I love the back and forth of maturity and childishness, yeah. youth and youth and age. Yeah. Um, you know, the way that she, you know, responds very maturely and yeah. she even, he even gives a little laugh at the good, you know, at her saying the good name yeah. of Kosnowski. Yeah. It says so much <laughs> that he that he that he has that little bit of a laugh at the good name of of such that yeah. he is aware it was kind of a hail mary move. Yeah, but it's also it's also this really powerful gesture and sort of like yeah. I feel like it's sort of like I don't know how to help you through this situation, but this is all I can you know this is something big yeah. I feel like I think it can do. Yeah. Yeah. And then like a kid when she embraces him and, you know, and, and she, you know, and, and, and everything, and he's still got his hands in his pockets. So he's trying pockets. to <laughs> hold her and he's like wiggling, like, ah, my hands are stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And that's him. Yeah. That's him still being a kid, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Well, you look at the way she rejects him when she calls him a big dope. And then she says she's really flattered by it. And she tells him how sweet he is, which is the first time we ever hear that from her. She would never in season one have characterized him as sweet. Mm-hmm. But the sweetness come, becomes a part of who this character is, uh, and the way that it, gentleness combined with almost like childlike like fits of passion mm-hmm. that come him, and and yet he's got that wiseness. He's got that innate wiseness when it comes to people. That's where his smart spot is. He knows mm-hmm. how he knows the way the human world works. He knows how people work. And he, as, as she ends up saying, for a guy who falls off the roof all the time, he's got some pretty good smarts. <laughs> Which is coming up uh, in season four. Um, the, the way they balance this, it's just like these two kids in their early 20s. And uh, he knows what it would be like for her if uh, she says no and has to deal with this single. Uh, what kind yeah. of ostracization she's going to go through. And uh, he basically knows what it's like. We'll find out. He knows what it's like to uh, have no mom in the picture. Mm. And she had, she had no mom in the picture either. So 
Um, And since there's no dad in the picture here, he's like, here, I will insert myself in here. And that way your kid will have a father and they won't know what it's like to live that incompleteness. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot, like there's a lot. I, I, I know, you know, there's a depth I don't know what they were thinking about. They might have been thinking about these depths. I guess it but, just depends on how long they were writing the episode, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if the scene was a creation of the actor saying, hey, no, uh, we're going to insert this. Or if it actually was in the original script, I'd have to like get a copy of the original script, which I really love to get my hands on. <laughs> uh, but there is... Something starts here and it builds up and it builds up in a way the show doesn't pursue this notion and in a way it does. The show kind of knows that it's kind of like an elephant in the room. We go all the way to season four and there's an episode basically about the two of them, you know, trying to figure out, hmm. you know, their feelings. And uh, so the writers knew and they didn't know the way. It's what my little opinion is. They knew and they didn't know. I know uh, the actors knew that the chemistry was there between the characters. Uh, Michael's joke was that they were paired together because they're the same heights all the time in right. scenes. But they, 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 the, character, the character chemistry and the chemistry between the two of them on screen, on screen chemistry, is so strong that it's hard to deny the fact that it works and it's because of how good they are as actors. Yeah, that's what it is. There's just that perfect sense of, yeah, I can buy these two being together. I could buy this marriage working because they're mm-hmm. cut kind of from the same cloth. These two characters, they're different in another level. And like I said, we'll get there. there there's a ton of other little moments and scenes that will build up and build up and build up. And you kind of get a little bit of a thing in season seven where we kind of get thrown a bone in a way. But in regards to the two of them together. But yeah. But this, like I said, it totally shapeshifts who he is as a character. And this is a character beat they actually picked up and continued with. Which I actually thought... Is nice, you know, because he could have just gone back to being like the season one guy who is uh, the guy who wants to throw a piece of it in the middle of the street because he's drunk, right? But he doesn't. But he, this, this is who he becomes. He becomes softer in a way and softer in a way and um, timid, but not timid. And you know, it's, it's very, very, very. Uh, lovely the way they ended up writing and directing this whole scene. It's the, it is the centerpiece of the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the it's the heart of the episode in a lot of ways. Even though everything with um, Betty and Cindy voicing Edna and uh, Shirley's concerns is beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. The Phil Foster and Penny Marshall scene at the end, where Laverne is trying like heck to. Uh, get those words out, even though she's ashamed and horrified and worried, it's worried mm-hmm. her father hates her. That's another good one. That's a, that yeah. one knocks her socks off too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and it almost seems in some ways as if Lenny's proposal is kind of like it's almost preparing you because it's sort of mileage may vary, right? In some respects, yeah. because there yeah. are some people. I mean, you know, I mean, this this is the I think one of the reasons this is so strong is there's this there is a distinct reminder, especially with the scene with Frank and Laverne. There's so many women that have been through that situation. Yeah. And some of them have had it go very horribly. And there are some that it's gone very similar to the way it goes in the show. And some that have been lucky enough to have it go even better than that. It's, uh, it feels as if, yeah, with the, but you're right though. I mean, the Lenny proposal is like, that is the moment. Yeah. It's a really interesting turning point. And, um, as of this recording, we haven't actually watched past this episode. So I'm kind of curious how yeah. it's going to come, come back from this. Oh, you're going to find out. You're going to find out. You're going to find out. Yeah. Even though like you can tell as she has, she ends up saying he's always liked her a little, but yeah, it's, it's you, if you, you like someone just a little, you don't propose to them three times. <laughs> he proposes to her three times. Yeah. No. There, there ain't no little about it. No, that's I mean? not little. That's not little. No. Now I was going to say that the, the only thing that really keeps them on opposite ends of the fence, besides the edict from Gary Marshall that no, these guys are going to be there. They're not going to be your boyfriends. They have to be dumber than you are. In the, in the scheme of the series was his basic edict because even Penny and Cindy thought they were going to be the last ditch dates. And in a way they are the last ditch dates a lot. So mm -hmm. in the end, in the end, we're supposed to believe she's not attracted to him. That's the, that's what's keeping them apart is she's not attracted to him. He's attracted to her, but she's not attracted to him. And that's hard to buy after a while. Like I said, it's hard to buy. Especially when we get to season six, wait till season six, you will not be able to buy that. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, this is the first really real hint that she's actually fond of him in return, and at least in a friendship way. This is the hmm. first hint that because this is the first time she she even looks at him with like tender amusement. Hmm. Most of the time, he's this annoying thing that's being dirty and loud in her apartments. Who's yelling down yelled down the dumb waiter at her? Right. Who's um you know asking her to participate in heavy floating? <laughs> this is the God. first hint that wow, there's actually friendship to friendship here. Mm -hmm. There's actually depth here, and like he says, I'm a pretty deep guy. There's actually layers underneath this surface guy who's uh, sitting next to Squiggy Howling, so to speak. You know what I mean? But yeah, that this is a foundation for something. It's a foundation. It's foundational in a way and foundational not in a way. Yeah. Nice. Uh, huh. How you feel? You finally <laughs> you finally got you got that you finally got to have your rant. I don't even know if it was a rant. I don't know if it quite counts as a rant because it's it's good. it's a it's a uh it's a monologue then. It's a monologue, yeah. There you yeah. go. A lot of feelings. Um, yeah, no, feelings. And, and and understandably so. I mean, I both times I've watched this episode, I've I I can't deny that there was a little something, you know, and you know, kind of pivoting off of this this scene. I mean, as well as I was mentioning, just you know, it's a this scene kind of like warms, as I said, warms you up, and I react. I definitely reacted to it. The no, I won delivery is just like oh, oh, oh. you know, and then man, the Phil Foster and. Penny Marshall, oh, they yeah. bring it home. Um, 
I mean, I, I will say, though, real quick before we get into all the feelings that uh, I really hope that was Foley for when Shirley gets bopped on the nose by the door. Oh, ow. Gosh. Ow. Um, oh. And, and as well, another eh, with the Hail Mary full of grace. Don't let him hit her in the oh, face. Goodness. That's a yeah. that's I mean, well, I will use that. I will use I will happily steal that line for an action movie. Um, <laughs> not about a woman. That's for sure. Yeah. God show. Why show? Well, they hinted that she uh, that he whacked her with a belt as a kid at one point right. in like season that, and drive. She said drive. She said, drive, yeah, she said that's yeah. right. Yep. It was like, geez, you forget yep. that that stuff was like permissible. Not only and, the 50s, but in the 70s. Oh God, not even, per, not even permissible, but like no, encouraged. No, no, not permissible, but encouraged. Not even a permissible encouraged, but common. Yeah. It was common, a common thing. It happened, blah, 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 blah. People didn't analyze it until later. And it was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this might not be a good idea. Oops. Right. Geez, say, that, reminds, that, that reminds me. Um, should we at this point say that if we have any listeners out there that uh, that are totally okay with beating their children, that we should want them to just leave and don't listen to us? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Because I'm at that go. point where it's like, I don't want Jesus. your patronage. Get the hell out. <laughs> Out. Um, anyway um but back on track to the the show though yeah is um yeah i was gonna actually gonna mention because you mentioned no i won yeah fandom has like a double uh double interpretation of that that they actually were tossing that coin and the loser would propose and he considers being with or winning that's a good point just consider that one that's what that's- that 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 for him would be very good that's okay, probably that's, young. that's yeah. cute i love that um so penny in laverne and you know laverne yeah. and pop having to talk it out yeah penny destroys the scene yeah my god god her timing the rhythm the, the just it's so natural with just the right delivery of that line pop i think i might be pregnant yeah. it's just completely straight with him yeah and um god it, it just it it hits yeah. so hard and yeah and especially how he responds you know you know listen muffin yeah i actually wrote this down yeah. i want you to listen to one thing i love you very much understand you and me family familiar you yeah. heard i heard and like that just oh god that that just i'm me i'm you yeah just, oh, oh. oh and it's able to rise up in a comedy again but sweetly yeah. cutely kind of innocently yeah and the way they're able to take it to that depth and then pull it back up and Penny's able to, you know, is able to cry and is able to let it, let it out. And then being it, you know, and then that, that hitting the bot hitting bottom and he kind of picks it back up and then he helps her get the coat on. And it's like, where's the peanut? Hey, there it is. I mean, that thing with the coat is just, yeah. ah, it kills me. I mean, this is, it's, to me this is like all my favorite tropes for these kind of scenes when something like this happens like the father is mad but can't stay mad the the kid that you know is has to be is able to be honest and feels enough trust to be honest with the with the parents i mean this is just you know this is the stuff that like this is why i was upset that Django fett died at the end of attack of the clones because i wanted to have moments like this with boba and Django in in another piece of star wars (laughs) fiction (laughs) oh my goodness but I was going to say, I loved all the little layers of the way it kind of comes out of her, where she says, uh, it doesn't matter because she's never going to see the guy again. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. way he uh, he goes, is he Italian? Because <laughs> that Frank question, she's, I don't know. Yep. And like uh, the way he t- t- he said, he also gets a little mad because he's never 
seen anybody so smart be so stupid. Mm-hmm. Which is a great line. Mm-hmm. But, it's, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a weird way of saying, you piss me off, but I love you. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. It's like, it's heartbreaking and yet beautiful. And in the end, ultimately, they never explain, by the way, why Laverne was throwing up every damn morning. Yeah, that still bugs they, me. They never answer yeah, what did it. They yeah. never answer that. Yeah. And that does drive me nuts, too, because that is the big unanswered question. She's not pregnant. And they were able to identify that very quickly. Uh, but hmm. um, what is making her throw up? Nobody knows. You think she'd want that solved so she wouldn't be sick every morning. But that never gets addressed, and she's fine afterwards. So, it's heaven knows what she was had a wrong paras- with she, she, she had a parasite. She had a yes. she had a rich she had a rich person living in her basement. <laughs> Again, fil- film nerds. Sorry, nerds that's gonna happen. Nerds. I was uh. going to make a joke about peaches. <laughs> hmm. Mm. Mm, that's a good one. Okay, that would have been good. Uh. Um, but um. You know, but yeah, yeah I mean, in, in coming back to, you know, as we're saying, the comedic elements of this, I mean, yeah. what's amazing about this episode, as heavy as it is, yeah. as heavy as it can get, there's so much laughter to still be had. The the yes. coal mining bit is amazing. Yes. Uh, their flashback, putting things together. Yeah. Chug a lugging, chug a lugging. Yeah. And I love the hip bob, the back and forth thing where she's yeah. like, uh, uh, nervous and figuring it out. And I yeah. still love the idea that it's pretty possible that the short story that they come up with may actually be it because it's so yeah. goofy. It fits entirely with the yeah. show's tone. Yeah. They would get yeah. drunk and want to put her into the honorary club and they give her and, you know, he takes off his pants and his yeah. boxer shorts and gives it to her. Yeah. And she puts them on and then she's so drunk she ends up face down in the vat. And it just makes right. sense. Yeah. And it's probably exactly what did happen. So, yeah. In, the, in terms of canon, that's what happened. My favorite bit of comedy, that bit two of them, is when uh, Squiggy grabs his jacket and he's trying to gently escort Shirley out so Lenny can propose to Laverne. Mm. And she's fighting him. She goes, don't sass me, woman. Throws the coat around her head and drags her out of the room. Oh, God. It's a laugh every time. Every time I laugh. Every time. Uh, I still love the... uh, Oh, go ahead, please. Please. No, no, no. no, no, You were were done. Please go. The other one was... um, when uh, Lenny explains the origin of his name, hope there's a hog in my kitchen. <laughs> my grandfather says. Oh, and, that's great. And then also he tries to pick her up and carry her across the room because she might be pregnant. So he doesn't want her to hurt herself. He's, he's trying to be gentlemanly. Mm-hmm. He kind of just kind of like side hugs her and drags her. And that's, mm-hmm. I love that too. Yeah. I, God, I've had moments of that. It's like, I don't know what to do, but I know I need to do something. Yeah, and it's, and it's like no, no, you really, you really don't, you really don't. <laughs> I had to learn that the hard way. Um, for me, one of the, my favorite comedy bits is the, uh, I think it's at Carmine, who also unfortunately makes an appearance. We didn't cover him. <laughs> um, uh, let's I, talk I, about I'm, Carmine. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, let's get to the joke in a second. Is Carmine? Um, uh-huh. This is interesting, as you said that there's there's a lot of like growth, or at the very least, we get to see more of these characters in a very realistic sense. And what's amazing about Carmine is 
two uh, two things about his scene. The first is that Rosa Greenbaum is the one that spreads the rumor yeah. that one of the girls is in trouble yeah. because she hears about the news. And it might be yeah. that she was kind of innocently mentioning it, you know, uh, to one of the other yeah. Debs, and then it ends up spreading. But still, that was really irresponsible. Yeah. Um, and she spreads it thinking it's about Shirley, not thinking it's about Laverne. If right. she thought it was about Laverne, it would have been everywhere in right. five seconds. Exactly. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And in the case of Carmine, wow. Yeah. How, where does he get off getting mad at Shirley about that possibility? Yeah, well, it, like, first, it, it would have been different if they were boyfriend and girlfriend on a level, but on another level, no. On a third level... They aren't dating anymore. Mm-hmm. He's just a friend. I have no idea why the hell he's being so moralistic about the situation when he is banging a divorcee for money. Right. And, Let's and be it's real. A- he is banging her for clothing and money and trips. Yep. And yet, Shirley's a horrible person because she might be pregnant. And he doesn't know what happened. She could have been raped. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, he has no clue. And it's like, shut up. Don't speak. Be quiet. <laughs> And that's the thing is, you know, he has no consideration for that. He immediately goes in this accusatory fashion and it's just, it's so shockingly aggressive. And I think it kind of shows, it's like one of those, if the, the thought of, of process behind doing that response was more thought out, that is very telling about the truth of the character to me about how there is this certain selfishness to him that feels like he, he's going to help everybody to an extent, yeah. but if he ever feels wronged in some sort of way, then watch out. And yeah. that's not, to me, that's, you know, that is a, and not wronged in a sense of like him actually being literally wronged, but that people doing something that was without his say so, that was outside of his control. Yeah. And, and, and again, as we're saying, like they weren't. It's a moral, it was a moral judgment. It was a moral right. judgment. It's a moral judgment. Moment, and Moment he has to make a moral judgment. Right. And, uh, and about, not only, yeah, sorry, God. He dumped her. Yes, that's yes. the thing. I mean, dude, yeah. I like I I know the rules here. When when you're the one who breaks it off with the girl, you do not get to do this. Yeah, again, this is yeah. It's, again, it's one of those. I thought this was an unspoken rule. I mean, although I've now met a few men that have realized that some even bro code isn't doesn't adhered to. So it's like I guess you know, to heck with me then. I guess no. So the, to me, like he has no right to be a judgmental about this at all, and. The fact that he is scolding her about it is bizarre. Mm-hmm. It's like, why are you scolding her about it when you don't even know the facts? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you think she's better than? If, you, if, if he thinks she is better than this, then uh, why isn't he acting up to his own moral standards, so to speak? Mm-hmm. There's, there's mm-hmm. the ultimate, ultimate question. Why is he not acting up to his own moral standards? Because he ain't. He ain't. You know, he's, he's just he's just looking at her and going, how dare the pure, innocent Shirley Feeney apparently have mm-hmm. sex with some dude. Right. Do this thing I don't approve of. Even though he wants her to pants in the worst way. I mean, come on. Oh, God. So, makes me wonder how many how many dates of hers has he somehow found a way to sabotage that we just don't know about? God. Well, yeah, and then she hasn't even, you know, she's just sitting there gritting her teeth with Lucille because even she's getting a little bit of uh, honey, so to speak, yeah. in the backwash. Yeah. But, God, and yet he's being a dick about this whole thing. Yep. Yeah. He, he, he has no right to be a dick at this exactly. point. They yeah. are not going out. Mm-hmm. This, and, then, and then when it, you know, things change, you know, but, um, 
it's just ridiculous. He's he's a dickhead in this episode. Yep. But back to the joke bit, which is that I did like the uh, there's that exchange of who died and made you boss. I did. Oh, great. I'm taking orders from a dead man. That was one of my favorite comedy bits. Yes. That's such a <sighs> everything about the way the show employs humor in this and everything about the way it employs um, a sense of community and family and the way it employs um, even romance. It's beautifully done. Mm-hmm. It's beautifully done. Yeah. Ridiculously beautifully done. I was going to mention the tag scene. You get to see um, Carmine in the original is seeing Once in Love with Amy, which is a Frank Sinatra hit. It's completely wiped out of the ending of the tag scene. Oh, no. In the DVD. And they paper over it with big, huge audio gaps and bowling sound effects and uh, uh uh, I think basically uh, public domain music. And mm. it's crappy because they add out the big cheer the audience does when Laverne shakes her head and tells Frank she's not pregnant. Oh, man. And, uh, there's a huge cheer from the audience when that happens, and we don't get to hear it. And uh, Oh, that's sad. Because yeah, they wouldn't pay the money for that. Yeah. It's yep. like ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, it's one of the catches with Viacom, Paramount, and all that is that they're one of the few of these kind of big corporations that doesn't, I think, have as much of a connection to a giant music uh, music rights group yeah. the way that like yeah. Universal does and Warner yeah. does. Yeah, that's why uh, the first season of the show came out, and it took years and years and years and years and years for us to get the second season, the third season, the fourth season, and onward because mm. of the music clearance issues. Right. So either they cleared it or they just had to make substitutions for yeah. practically everything. Yeah. They brutally chop out certain scenes and we get deeper in the show and the girls start singing Beatles songs. Oh, no. Okay, that's... that's there is a, there's a full-on montage in the uh, season six premiere yesterday that gets obliterated with, with studio music. Oh, no. It is oh. awful. Ugh. Well, hopefully those poor little studio musicians got their mu- their royalties from that. And then then there's an, there's actually a um, a scene where the girls learn to try to teach the boys to do the monkey. Oh boy! And the original song they used was the monkey, and instead they kind of used '70s porno music. Ooh! To cut that to for them to dance to, they covered it with that. It's like. Why? Why the substitution? Now I'm just trying to imagine what would have happened if Dirk Diggler was a guest star oh, on God. Laverne and Shirley. Oh God, she could be. He could try to beat up Carmine. There you go. He's one of Carmine's boxing rivals. Huh. Yeah, that'd be good. Oh God, and he would be. He'd be terrible because, as we know, Dirk Diggler yeah. is just a bunch of hot air. Yeah, get out. <laughs> but um, going back to the tag scene, I mean, what I I liked about it though. You know, it was unfortunate about the music. Uh, definitely, yeah. I, th- I think it does. It, wor- it What's sad is it kind of works in its own way, yeah. without any production audio. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that it makes it a little more cinematic. But yeah, I do wish that being able, to, yeah, losing that crowd, that audience applause is is really unfortunate because that must have been really powerful for the yeah. audience watching this be recorded. Um, but I love in the scene, like just the elements of like everyone's sort of getting kind of back to a sense of normal sort of a reminder that everything is, you already sort of know from the get go that the, uh, everything's going to be okay. And I, I thought it was interesting in a detail that Lenny has that comic book in his pocket. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and it like, it reminds us that he's still a kid and it's almost like yeah. a clue that, you know, it's going to be okay. They're still young. The future's ahead of them and that you can still enjoy your little stories in the funny papers and hit on girls and they're going to be all right. And everything's going to be okay. Although. Or accidentally almost hit on a guy. Right. Um, which, yeah, which I, I, I hate to say, I think I've actually done that once. I think what happened was I was, I, it was, it was at a, at a gathering where I think I, uh, I said something to, a, I was trying to say something to a gal that I had worked with before in the film community. And it got said to like the direct, my eyeline went to one of the dudes and it was oh, a weird, dear. awkward moment. He didn't get, he didn't get mad. I think he realized what I was doing, but I'm pretty sure something like that happened. Had a lot of yes. angry actress boyfriend, actresses, boyfriends oh. also glare at me for trying to have a work conversation in the middle of a party. That's fun. <laughs> But anyway, uh, back back on track, though. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I have really much more I can really add about this episode. It's it's an exhaustive, you know, emotional experience. And it's it's really it's incredible. I mean, I uh, I I, I was really moved by it. And this, as I said, I mean, this was the point I felt most thankful to you so far uh, for having got me involved in this. Like, it's the best episode of the series, honestly. Uh, It's just combines all the things I love about the show. There's less, there's a little less slapstick comedy in this one. So if you're looking for something heavy in the slapstick comedy department, go watch, um, uh, I'd probably say, um, hmm, who would I, who would I recommend? I'd probably recommend Stepping Out. That's got a lot of it. Mm. It's really well staged, mm. but there is nothing more emotionally impactful, impactful in the series canon than this. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and, it, and it shapeshifts characters, it transforms them, and mm-hmm. it makes them more interesting to follow, and it makes them incredibly um, wonderful to come invested in. Mm. I was going to mention something else. I was going to drag us back to the proposal scene because I didn't want to do that. <laughs> um... <laughs> I was going to say, you notice that he points out the jackets. And she remembers the jackets. She remembers putting mm-hmm. the RL mm-hmm. on his jackets, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, the first little, even tiniest, tiniest hint that she's even remotely uh, sympathetic to him or fond of him. And then that just deepens and deepens and deepens. But uh, the fact that she even remembered that, I thought it was amusing. Because, you know, if she, this is just some guy who isn't her friend or she's ashamed that he's her friend, she wouldn't remember that little detail. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was sweet. Yeah, she, and did, was, she, she did take the time to stitch that thing in, though. Yeah, by hand, with one mm-hmm. of her elves. With one of her elves. And he wears the whole, that thing the whole stinking series, all series long. Mm. See, you see it like, all the way through up to uh, season eight on his back. So. Wow. That's Master... I was going to say, hmm? would you actually classify the boys as big swingers? Like they say, because I love that line. I wanted to, I never want to sell down. I always wanted to be a big swinger when, when he's trying to, when he's trying to propose to her. I do you classify them? No, because I don't think they're successful. Yeah. I figure. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how far I should take that description of what I mean by that. Um, because I have in my head, at least by this point in the show, what, how far things have gone with them and their, their, uh, their dates. But, yeah. um, 
the thing, yeah, I think to be a swinger, you gotta be successful. Yeah. Um, I, I know someone who used to call himself, you know, a, you know, a swinging guy like that. And, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, with all the ladies, haha, you know, I just really want to settle down. And it's like, <laughs> dude, yeah. you're and you're I, he is a Lenny and squeaky type. He's more of a, and actually more of the cliche <laughs> of them. He's more of a, a nuisance than anything. Oh, um, and it took him and it took him years to kind of stop being such like a like a dirty old man. Oh, um, but uh, that's the thing is, I feel it's, it's about your success rate. So like if they've, you know, rodeo, do, do. once or twice then you know good for them no with a swinger no you swingers like james bond james bond's the you know the fawns you know that is a you know and you know you snap your fingers and it's on you know that's 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 the that is my definition of it it's like him constantly saying well i didn't want to i don't want to settle down his master gesture whenever he is around a girl who uh, shows any kind of slight interest in staying in a relationship with him is to propose. Let's be real. <laughs> this is his, his master gesture is stay with me, marry me. I mean, there's an episode in season seven uh, where he gets into a serious relationship with a co-ed and she tells him, I have to go to New York for study. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And his reaction to that is, okay, I'm going to move with you. Yep. Yeah, I remember yeah, on the, that, the Nun Story episode, you mentioned that, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, that's his master gesture. For somebody who thinks he's a, who thinks he's independent and thinks that he is um, this guy who is a swinger and can love and leave all these girls. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy who also proposes any second he thinks it's uh, even remotely close to being real. Yeah. So... So that, it's that, that, it's, the, the economy between what he thinks he is and what he is is always amusing to me. It makes me think of whether it's a case of like he he flirts with a lot of girls, but he only he only has eyes for the ones that are special. Yeah, though they're the only ones he wants to keep there. Right. Yeah, it's the only ones he wants to keep looking at. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but it kind of like, anyways. Yeah, oh, go ahead. and then you compare. Even Squiggy ends up saying, by season five, when uh, there's he ends up falling in love with the girl who's using him, and Shirley talks him down, and he says, "I want what you and Carmine have." Which we'll get there. Oh <laughs> eventually. my god! We'll oh, get there eventually. Andrew, oh dear. <laughs> It'll make more sense by season five. Okay. It'll make you gotta give him a chance. You gotta give Carmine a chance. He does do douchey things, but he also kind of uh, redeems himself sometimes. Mm. Sometimes. All right, we'll 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 see if I come down off this hill or not. <laughs> Will we ever get off of the let's kick Carmine in the nuts hill? Um, for a while, for a few episodes, I think. We'll we'll eventually, and then season eight will happen, and uh, just chuck him into a volcano at that point. (laughs) He does some things in season eight that are unpleasant. Oh dear! But he also does things that are pleasant. But then again, you know, the characterization of everyone is like by that point. So, but Mm. yeah, when you look at how they're maturing all these characters and you think about where they end up by season eight, you can kind of see what they're sowing the seeds for here. 
Mm-hmm. And when you said like, well, they intentionally kind of plotted Fry and Leela, I'm pretty sure that they didn't intentionally plot, you know, the two of them doing anything. The two of them like being endgame. But Michael said on Twitter at one point that it's absolutely plausible that they could have been endgame. So mm-hmm. so take that as what you will. I don't know. It might have been a Judy Pioli and uh, the last um Duclan teams wrote a lot of episodes about the about the two of them being together. Mm. So I don't know if it was their choices. I don't know if people were rewriting stuff on sets. I don't know if it was what was producer mandated. But when you string episodes together and you get from here all the way to the end of season seven, you'll kind of notice a lot of growth. And you'll notice the, the way the two of them look at each other changes. And you see this stuff as plausible. It's plausible. Right. But yeah, I loved... Um, my favorite thing about that entire... Now it's not my favorite thing. Uh, one of the best lines we didn't mention was when um, Pulse pulls off, she's turned him down. She's in the kitchen. She's sipping Pepsi. Shirley comes in crying because Squeaky just oh, told yes. her what Lenny was going to do. And she thinks he's sweet and adorable and wonderful. And she asks Laverne if she, she accepted. She goes, yeah, I said I'm going to marry him. And she goes, <laughs> you said you'd marry him. Are you crazy? And it's like, the way, the way it's cute until it might be reality for her is amusing. Because she, she just absolutely is not there for it. Because Squiggy is very there for it. And we'll also see that as time goes on. Exactly. Yeah, I have my note, actually, of what you said, which is that Shirley ships it until it's real. Yes. Yes, she shifts it until it's a possibility that she will uh, marry this guy who fucked Romeo reading twice instead of following <laughs> her into her ambitious dreams of marrying a white collar dude. Right. So, uh, I don't know if that's just the dream she's dreaming for Laverne because Laverne loves her sailors. Mm-hmm. And she loves her macho guys who are blue collar too. So... I don't, I, never, I don't know why she goes so hard in the paint of no, 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 this is horrifying. No, 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 no. Because Laverne never right. fully turns down the idea. Right. Hmm. Yeah, which is really, it's, it's really interesting the way they kind of, they, the way she feels this way. And then it's kind of like this line where it's kind of wiggly. Where she, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm rambling. I'm rambling. Okay. We'll get there. Okay. Season four, yeah. we'll get there and we'll revisit this theme. Okay, awesome. <laughs> we'll revisit this theme. So uh, I guess now is probably the time that we have to figure out on a number. I have a feeling I know what your number is going to be, <laughs> but uh, so what would you rank this episode on our scale of one to ten? Can I go to 11? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, gosh. If It's interesting. That I feel like you're referencing a film that may <laughs> may have included uh, some of the talent uh, from this show. It's a good little, uh, <laughs> um, for me, I would say this is probably a nine and a half. I mean, the only little yes. dig is just like, you know, just to be kind of a little wiggle room. Um, but it's, uh, it's powerful stuff. I agree that it's probably my, my favorite, if not the best episode of the show so far. It's, um, it's wonderfully executed. It's, it's incredibly in depth. I'm really curious how much of this was the collaboration of the director, Gary, the writers, the cast, how much of this all came together. Yeah. And also even how well the cast got along on this one, because 
to make this one sing as well as it does, yeah. it makes me wonder if they kind of had to get on the same page for this one and they had to compromise and concede a little more yeah. to uh, to each other and what they all wanted and how much how that was and kind of who is the driving force of that because it's it's yeah. it's a wonderfully done episode it's really good it's very powerful and and i love that this comes from the director james burroughs who did um dog days blind dates which yes. was goofball was absolute yes. madcap screwball comedy and yeah. and also had now that we think about it had the idea of laverne and shirley going hand in hand to eternity Trimsy. with uh linked with Lenny and Squiggy. So, yeah. huh. How about that? But um yeah. diversity in handling as a director really strong. And it makes me kind of a little bummed that this guy wasn't able to make the leap to features because yeah. and admittedly there's a lot of reasons why people didn't, but it's uh some good cred. Yeah, good they end, I was just trying to think did he did he direct any Yeah, I know he directed some motion pictures, but did they bomb? Did he what the heck did he direct motion picture wise? I'm it's, trying to remember. Uh, I'm going to check. I'm going to double check, I should I say. I know. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. okay. So looking up Burroughs's filmography, so he he did mostly TV and yeah. uh, you know, I I and it's a it's understandable that you know not everybody made the leap to uh to cinema features, but he did do some TV movies. Also worked with Penny on another project called uh, More Than Friends. Mm-hmm. Um with her which, ex-husband uh, Rob Reiner. Oh, hey. Uh, Michael's in it. Michael plays one of her character's lovers, a hippie character. Oh, it's got Joey Pants in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people in it. It's really good. It's really nice. fun. Yeah. yeah, but it's, it. I really would, you know, I, as much as I know, you know, he's been a prolific television director, it just, part of me wonders, you know, yeah. digging yeah. this out, yeah. you know. He would probably be amazing if he did one feature called Partners hmm. uh, from 1982. A quote gay themed buddy comedy film starring mis- starring Ryan O'Neill and John Hurt as a mismatched pair of cops. Whoa. Yeah. Solve a series of murders in the gay community. Yeah. It's a comedy. Huh. Well, at least it's got James Remar in there. Interesting, if nothing else. If nothing else, yeah. yeah I didn't Just even the know. The idea this of existed. that overlap of two two um Two alums from Walter Hill movies ending up in a, a gay comedy, I find really amusing. It's interesting that even happened. Definitely. Well, something to track down. But uh, anyway, I think um, but winding down, I think we find this to be really one of the strongest, you know, a strong episode. One of the reasons, kind of like, if you're getting into this show, this is what you're kind of coming here for. This is the destination. Yes. yes. This yes. is this is why you get into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, do you want to fill folks in on what's coming up next, or uh, or because I don't even know what's coming up next. Usually, usually I tease because I actually do know what's coming up next, and here I don't. So do do you want to uh, do you want to tease me about what's coming next, or what? In the next episode, the girls try modeling. They try oh. to become fashion models, and the episode is literally called "Dear Future Model." So, dear future oh. models, I must correct myself. Oh well, that, I thought it was just a letter from a uh, from a typewriter to a computer. <laughs> T- 
I, I have no idea if even uh, all of our audience is even going to understand that joke. I'm sure they will. Somebody has to know what a typewriter is out there. Our audience has yeah. to know what a typewriter is at this point. <laughs> we got a certain audience who will understand that. So. Yeah. I mean, I, as much as people say, oh, you're a typewriter. It's like, dude, I used an electric typewriter when I was seven. Yeah. So, like, don't yeah. give me that. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people have, so. Yeah. A lot of people anyway. did. Yeah. Mm. I hope you but guys yeah. enjoyed my enjoying canon far too much <laughs> if, uh, if at this point they're they're not here to, to listen to us you know gab and love the show and love yeah. love it with us uh, we hope um then then we we i don't know what to even say at that point man it's like i god can't help you at that point yeah um but uh but no it was this was wonderful thank you and and lisa thank you so much for for dragging me on this journey this was a this was a wonderful high point and um yeah so, There's many more yeah, highlights so, to come. A few lowlights, a few sad, sad lowlights, but we mm -hmm. will get there and we'll hopefully keep enjoying the ride. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, just make sure that uh, if you like this episode to, uh, you know, leave some comments. You know, we'd like to hear from you, especially about these emotional ones. Um, I think we like to hear a lot about because, yeah. you know, it's we we need to know that we're not alone um, and you can do so by finding us on, uh, there's the Twitter, uh, at night after night PC or night after night pod on Facebook, Tumblr, and Patreon. If you would like to, uh, support our efforts to try to offset some of the costs of some of the discs and, uh, to also incentivize us to do bonus episodes because, uh, because this is a pretty, there's a lot of work to do on the show, but, uh, if, if you guys want us to do something more, we will gladly do so. Um, but we just have to know the demand is there. Anywho, um, yeah, I think that's going to be all from us for now. And um, yeah, um, I guess thank you so much and um, take it easy. And um, and, you know, if you're going to if you're going to make a proposal and, you know, the mm -hmm. person and someone's going to reject you and they're going to give you, a, you know, a, a sympathy embrace of some sort, maybe maybe not put your hands in your pockets. That was a big <laughs> lesson I learned from this episode. Don't don't leave your hands in the pockets when a, when an embrace is coming. Now I just remember that I was going to talk about the fact that he, this is his good shirt. He keeps wearing this good shirt everywhere to big important mm. events in the in canon. He wears this shirt to Fonzie's funeral. <laughs> this is the first oh, time wow. we ever see. That's his big important dress-up shirt. I completely forgot to mention that. Also, I think it's his dress-up tie. It's this blue tie with, a, I think, a girl on it. I can't, I need to see it up close again, but I think there's a girl on it, so... I was going oh, to mention boy. the fashion, but it got away from me. So, oh, God. Yeah. I love this episode. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But in any case, uh, yes. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see you next time, folks. And, and hey, when it comes to fashion, I guess we'll have plenty to talk about next yeah. time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Cool. Have fun, y'all. Latest. Mm -hmm.